Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Brevin Slope, and you're listening to The Mayor's Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Brevin Slope, and we are back with episode 8 of The Mayor's Podcast. Last week, we took some time off from the podcast, but this week, we're back right to it. The first seven episodes of the podcast, I visited with either coaches or players, but with this episode, I'm very excited to get a little different perspective. Today, I have on the podcast Noah Litteris, who served as a student manager at the University of Nebraska. Thank you so much, Noah, for taking the time to be on this week's podcast. Yeah, of course, man. Uh, Anything for the mayor. (laughs) Well, I want to get things started off right away. So like I said, I mean, you started off as a student manager right off um, your freshman year when you attended the University of Nebraska. So tell me a little bit about how you got into that role. Who did you kind of talk to and how did that all come about? Yeah, so um, I I graduated in 2015 from Seward High School. So five five years ago and um, after uh, a super illustrious basketball career of sitting on the bench and, and clapping for Brevin. Um, I, I uh, pretty much knew I wasn't going to have a future playing, but I, you know, I love the game. I love coaching and I loved interacting with players. So I um, decided, you know, at that point I knew I was going to UNL. I decided I wanted to try and stay in the game. So um, just kind of did some, just look, you know, looking at the, at the staff director and stuff like that. And I got in touch with their, um, video coordinator who was who was director of the managers at the time his name was Gregory Eaton and then I just got an interview and and went from there so when you were when you replied for that what was like the interview process like was that a very tedious pro I mean did you have to interview with a bunch of people or how did that kind of go um at the time when uh, I interviewed it was pretty much just kind of sending your resume and references your class schedule um for the next year and then just go in there and uh, have a conversation with uh, the video coordinator. And then from there, it was kind of like a trial basis type thing. Um, I know for me, they had me come in and start in the summer and kind of help with uh, running summer camp and kind of see if I'd be a good fit. And then, you know, as, as time went on, our staff changed and it got to the point where, where me and another manager were um, assisting and hiring. And so we would help run interviews. So, you know, as, as, as time went, it kind of got to where you were meeting with more people. But when I was there, I met with one person, interviewed, and I knew within the next week whether or not I was – that they were going to add me. So, Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, obviously, like you said, you ended up getting hired or whatever for that job. And your first year, you were just a regular student manager. And then, obviously, you ended up being the head manager of the whole – the whole the whole squad there so what was that just tell me a little bit about what that first year was like I mean how big was the learning curve and then how did you eventually climb the ladder to be the top top manager yeah um so that first year was interesting because you know I went in and I think there was like 12 of us starting the year you know me and a couple of other new guys and then some older guys and um just through, you know, it was, a, it was definitely, it wasn't an easy year in terms of how like the season went and just kind of some of the staff dynamics and player dynamics, it wasn't, you know, super, super smooth. And so, you know, at one point in the year, we got to the point where I was the only new guy left and we had like four guys remaining and, you know, 
lots of programs are able to do stuff with one or two managers, but when you're a major Division One program like Nebraska, um, and you only have five student managers, there's a lot to get done with not a lot of people. So that was kind of a trial by fire, where where in most years, you know, new guys kind of get stick to the basics and they get to rebound and fill water jugs and you know wipe up the floor. I was kind of thrown into, hey, we need you to do that stuff, and we need you to learn how to how to cut film, and we need you to learn how to do all this other stuff. You know, if you know if Coach Miles needs something, we we need him to be able to call you so you can go help him out and all that type of stuff. So yeah, and then from from there, um, it was kind of you know we lost that experience, and I went from being and you know a new guy to my second year. I was one of two guys returning that had experience. So I was kind of thrown into that that partial leadership role, and then after that, I was like kind of the only guy left that had any experience from my first year. So, um, I was kind of the last one standing. I just kind of stuck stuck around and took my punches, and eventually got to the point where the staff trusted me to 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 run those guys. Yep, no, that's that's good stuff. Now, obviously, our listeners out there know players are obviously working hard and grinding during the off season. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about what you're doing behind the scenes, like during the off season. I mean, obviously you guys are doing a lot. I mean, helping out with workouts, what, what all went into your off season, off season schedule with the team? Yeah. Um, you mean, you mean in terms of like, like a manager schedule, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, you know, if you're not on campus, if you're not taking classes, you know, they can't, it's, um, it's not a paid position out of season when you're in season we're able to get a little bit of you know report a little report some hours and get paid a little bit but um in the off season it's it is unpaid so you they can't really force you to be there but um you know if you're a student manager you you know you're most likely not doing it just just for the heck of it you know you're trying to get and you know get experience get into the into the profession so um guys like me and some other of our higher up managers that wanted to, you know, get into coaching were around every day. And so, um, you know, they call it an off season, but you know, and everyone else knows that that plays a sport. It's no, it's not an off season at all. And so if, you know, if we're not running summer camps, then we're in there. Um, you know, it also, it depends on staff too. Like coach miles likes to do his stuff in the afternoon and coach Hoiberg like getting stuff out of the way in the morning. So, um, a lot of times it ended up being, you know, you'd get there an hour before that first workout and get film set up, get the court set up. And then, you know, usually there's like three or four workouts back to back to back where the guys are just getting in there, getting shots up, running drills. And you're just, you're doing what you can. You're either cutting up film and, you know, cut, you're cutting the film of the practice as it happens. So as soon as it's over, it's on all the coaches' computers and they can go and look at something right away, um, which can be stressful depending on, you know, what you're doing. If you're cutting practice, it's nothing too stressful. But during the season when it's a game and you want to get that done right and done quick, um, definitely some high-stakes stuff. But, yeah, it just depends program to program what managers do. But I know at Nebraska we had we had a lot on our plates. That's good stuff. Now, now that was kind of the off-season stuff. and I mean, a little you touched on the in-season stuff a little bit more. But um, yeah. you're obviously probably a lot more busy – during the season, I mean, you're helping out with practices, traveling for games, um, yep. like you said, doing stuff with film. Um, what would like a typical day look like in terms of like during the season, actually? Well, so do you want, do you want the coach um, Coach Hoiberg breakdown or the Coach Miles breakdown? <laughs> Which one, one's more exciting? <laughs> um, well, I I 
I had the pleasure of working with Coach Hoiberg for a year, um, but I worked for Coach Miles for four years, and I got really tight with that staff. Um, so I'll give you I'll give you the four year breakdown. But usually, with that staff, you know you there get be guys that were going to get shots up in the morning. Um, so uh, you know a GA or an assistant coach would text you and be like, "Hey, I need a rebounder at seven. I need a rebounder at eight. I need a rebounder at nine. What you know, whatever times." And so you know. When I started out, um, we had Coach Phil Beckner, who uh, works with NBA athletes now. He was Damian Lillard's personal trainer, personal training coach, and now he works with CJ McCollum and a bunch of different pro athletes. But um, when my freshman year, you know, he wanted rebounders relentlessly, which is a good thing. But as a manager, you know, it kind of puts a damper on your schedule. So usually, you know, two or three workouts in the morning where if you know, once I got to be head manager, if I couldn't get guys to cover, then, you know, me or um, another one of the head guys would cover it. And then um, usually you knock out class from, you know, for me, I didn't like getting up in the morning and going at, at 8.30 for class. So I'd have class from like 9.30 to noon usually. And then from there, you go straight from class, get lunch, go straight to um, practice. Uh, usually managers, our rule was if you're not in class, you need to be there an hour before practice starts. Um so yeah, usually practice for Coach Miles started at uh, three, so you had to be there at two, and usually earlier because we'd be helping with mail outs for recruits and uh, cutting film, just all that stuff. And then practice starts at three. Coach Miles loved his film, so some days they were in film for thirty minutes, some days they were in film for an hour and a half, and then after that we would practice, and we would uh, you know go anywhere from an hour to, to two and a half hours. So. There were some some late nights there at the Hendricks training facility, you know, no. after we had one of our good good run-ins with Creighton or something like that, and we needed to take a little longer look at the film. No doubt. No doubt. Now, you kind of touched about practice a little bit. What would, I mean, your responsibilities be during practice? I mean, obviously, you're probably rebounding, like you said. You're probably running the pads and stuff, doing yeah. cut, cutting film. What, what else would you guys do during practice? So, yeah, just, you know, like I said, as you when you start out is with anything, you kind of have to take your licks and do the grunt work. So, you know, my first couple of years was a lot of rebounding, a lot of wiping the floor, a lot of running the pad. Um, you know, Coach Coach Miles. Uh, usually, we had enough guys on the practice um, team to where we wouldn't have to have managers help with drills too often. Um, I know his last couple of years we got short because of injuries. So there were, you know, times where I was in there, um, you know, playing dummy defense and helping with drills, stuff like that. And then once coach Hoiberg came in, he didn't want to, you know, use any of his walk-ons or anything for the drill at all in terms of like, you know, helping set up the drill. So, you know, me and a couple other, um, of the more athletic and senior managers would, you know, be in the drill playing dummy defense, throwing passes and that type of stuff. Um, yeah. And then, like I said, the film is kind of the biggest part. Uh, just making sure everything is getting, cause you're, you're cutting the film as it's happening. You're labeling the film as it's happening and you're putting it into different categories. Um, yeah. So that, that's just a big part of it too. Just making sure you get that right. Definitely. Um, definitely. Now, you kind of touched on one of your rules was running the pad. Was there any one guy in your in your five years there that you just hated putting the pad on? <laughs> um, 
Well, I remember my freshman year, uh, coming out of high school, I was probably six, seven, 180 pounds soaking wet. So I didn't have, I didn't have a ton of weight on me. And, uh, I watched one of our senior managers who was, who was quite a bit heavier than me get his uh, shoulder separated by Tanner Borkhart on the pad. Um, cause Tanner kind of slapped the pad out of the way a little bit before he ran into it. And so it, so it dis- the guy kind of put, put my, put the manager's shoulder in a bad position and then he got hit by Tanner. And I think everyone in the state knows how big of a, big of a guy Tanner Borkhart is. Yeah. And so, so Tanner was always, I was always scared of Tanner just because it wasn't like he hit you super hard, but he, I watched him, watched him hurt, hurt somebody before. <laughs> um, Ed Morrow, Ed Morrow was a handful on the pad too. He didn't have any problem running into you. No, that's good. That's good stuff. Now I'm curious, we kind of talked, uh, talked about practice a little bit. Now, what were some of your roles, your main roles when it came to game days? I mean, obviously you guys were sitting behind the bench and stuff, helping out throughout the game. What were some of those roles that went into game days? Yeah, so um, kind of same thing as practice. One thing, you know, for us for game day, you know, we were there the entire day. It's like if it was a Saturday game and we had, you know, walked through it one thirty at 1, we were there at noon. Game was – walkthrough was at 1. Game was probably at 5. Um, and then we were there, you know, from noon all the way until the game was over. Um, but, yeah, kind of same thing with practice. One of the senior guys would be live, live cutting up the game you know, possession by possession, labeling everything that happens in the possession. So we would label paint touches, ball screens, um, where the shot was located when it went up, whether it was a make or a miss. Um, yeah, and we would label who took the shot, offensive rebounds, all on a possession. And so we wanted that, you know, coaches to be able to have that right away. Um, as far as behind the bench, you know, outside of the younger guys are doing, you know, towels and water, um, you know, no, Usually you're just ch- you're charting certain stats. Um, I know usually one guy back there for you know every squad usually has a guy back there that's charting substitutions. So um, like for for us, um, Austin Slate, who also went to high school with us, um, was kind of our substitution guy. So he'd have a board that would have you know our lineup on the board, who their matchups were, and then he would also write down anyone that was subbing in. And then during, you know, timeouts, he's watching the scores table, making sure they're not trying to sneak sub somebody in. So we got always have our always have our matchups ready to go, you know, and then huddle breaks. He's able to hold that board up. Everyone can look, see their name and see who they're guarding. Um, for me, I just kind of charted. I charted uh, for miles. It was a lot of um, I charted shot location and makes or misses for either us or the opponent or both. And then for Coach Hoiberg, it was just kind of whatever stat he was he was keen on seeing that day. So, like, whether it was assists or reverse ball reversals, that type of stuff. Um, yeah, so, you know, behind the bench, a lot of that is just kind of kind of keeping track of certain stats that um, coaches might want in the middle of the game. Um, yeah, and then just kind of – you know, if, if you if – you, you know, some people, it, it's kind of a fine line to walk because, you know, if you're a manager, we'd always say, um, you know, be seen, don't be heard, which means you want to be around, you want to be working hard, but you want to, you know, keep your mouth shut and stay out of the way. And so, they, you know, there's that fine line to walk of if you're, you know, if we're sitting in there in the film sessions and we're helping cut the film, we're helping in the scouts, you know, then we kind of have that scouting, you know, that scout information too. 
So, you, you know, if you can relay that, you can relay that, but you don't want to be that person that's shouting out wrong scout information. So, uh, yeah, it's just a, there's a ton of stuff that goes on for sure. That's no, that's really good stuff. I mean, I hope our hope our listeners enjoy that because just listening to that for me was really fascinating. I mean, a lot of casual fans are just obviously watching the guys on the floor. Obviously, the main the main event, right. but that's really cool stuff. I mean, just the in depth that goes into the whole program. That's to be successful. That's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a it's a, it's a, a profession. You know, it might be college athletics, but that is a full time job. You know that. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. So. You kind of you kind of mentioned. I mean, just with the game days, I want to know. I mean, obviously, PBA is probably one of the most electric atmospheres yep. um, in, the, in the entire country. Just how awesome was it? I mean, just getting to travel around the country and even the, around the world. I know you went on some some trips. I think across across the country and, and then obviously across um, into different um, countries. Yeah. So what was that experience like and how awesome was it that to just to get to witness all those awesome like atmospheres in different arenas? Yeah, you know, um, you know, five years of doing it, I um ended up making it to every school in the Big Ten except for Northwestern. So that's twelve other Big Ten big Big Ten cities I was able to travel to and all other um places across the country and you know Five years, you know, it's, t- it's tiring. It's a stressful job, and I was definitely getting burnt out of it. Burnt out about it at the end of the, you know, end of it. But looking back on it, that travel and getting to go so many places and play, you know, and and be a part of a team playing in front of, you know, thousands of people is something that I'm gonna always look back on and just and cherish. Like you said, last summer we got to go to Italy for 13 days, um, which was awesome. I'd never been out out of the U.S. and getting to go to Italy and Switzerland. And then later we played in the Cayman, Cayman Island classic. Um, so yeah, it's been pretty awesome. I've been to a lot of cool venues. I've been to, you know, a lot of, a lot of powerhouse places, you know, assembly hall in Indiana is, is, a you know, kind of one of those basketball um, wonders of the world. You know, one of those places to get, to mark off and then the Breslin center or Michigan state's arena um, and, you know, East Lansing, that place was always just electric, and it seemed like we always got our butts kicked whenever we were in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, my freshman year when Siobhan Shields, uh, I don't think he missed a sh- single shot. It felt like all game, and I, he, he single-handedly beat, like, Denzel, Denzel Valentine and those guys at the Breslin Center. Um that was probably the most electric atmosphere, uh, you know, nothing will beat PBA ever in my mind, but opposing team atmosphere, uh, Michigan state at the Breslin center was something different. No, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely remember watching that game. That was, that was awesome. Now, obviously you, you worked with obviously coach miles and then coach Horberg that, that last season. Um, yeah. just, just briefly, I mean, what, what was it like working for miles and then what was it like working under Horberg? Yeah, um, Coach Miles is kind of exactly like exactly that guy that you get in the interviews. You know, he's just he's a fun guy to be around, and he makes jokes and all that stuff. And and uh, I think a lot of times people think you know that kind of that distraction was coaching. Um, but you know, I'll be the first to say that I don't know I don't know very many more competitive people than Coach Miles, and um, just kind of that determination and that that 
that sheer sheer will that he coaches with is something that I was always inspired by. Um, yeah, and then Coach Hoiberg just kind of coaches like a guy that's been there. Like you can tell this guy knows what he's talking about. He's he's a genius. First off, he's a genius. Just offensively, you know, some of the sets that he runs and some of the just the little nuances of his sets um, are just are incredible to watch. But like I said, he's kind of carries himself as like, yeah, I played in college. I played in the pros. I coached in the pros. I've been in the front office in the pros. I've coached in college. It's just like he lets that resume kind of speak for himself. And then on top of all that, he's just a really, really quality guy. You know, someone that sees you in the office and asks you how you're doing, remembers your name for the first time you introduced yourself to him. Um, that was something that was always big, you know, for me as, you know, in terms of when I, you know, I would introduce myself to people, the people that you really, that really care and the people that you really want to kind of get close to and try and latch on to and learn from are those people that go out of their way to learn your name. One of our bosses would always say, your name is that is the only thing that you really have. And so if you, if you can't, if you can't expect people to remember that and to remember it correctly, then, you know, you can't expect people to remember anything about you. So um, anytime a coach went out of their way to do that, I always kind of felt, felt something, a special bond with them. And so coach Hoiberg was definitely a, definitely a quality yeah, person. I mean, that's awesome. That's really good stuff. I mean, like you said that just, you can really tell when someone cared about you when they, they remember your name. And like you said, just being a, a manager, I mean, the guys that really appreciate you will, will really, will really show that to you. And that's, that's awesome that, you had guys around you doing that. So obviously you were there for five years. So how do you feel you grew the most during your time with the Huskers in terms of just basketball knowledge? Like you obviously were under Miles and then Hoiberg, just two legendary basketball coaches. How would you say you grew the most throughout your time with the Huskers? Yeah, um, I would say that through five years, the kind of, you know, outside of like the tangible skills that I learned, you know, like I, I learned how to run all the coding programs and the, and the video programs, and all that st- stuff, which is just, you know, that's just a lot of hours and repetition. Um, you know, I kind of learned um, the most from those assistant coaches and those GAs that ran workouts, I would say, just cause I've always had that, you know, I've always had that, um, dr- um, I don't know if it was a pull or I've always been drawn to kind of running workouts and, and seeing players develop. And so just kind of getting the opportunity to be around some high level um, training guys, you know, you have high level X's and those guys, but some high level training guys as well, like coach Beckner. And then um, Ali Farouk Manesh, who's now an assistant coach at uh, um, CSU Colorado state university, Wes Eichmeyer and, um, Dorian Green, who's at, who's at uh, Colorado, uh, Northern Colorado now. Um, just a ton of really good coaches. Just kind of fueled that passion for me. I know when we were back in high school, when we were out of season, you know, me and you were both kind of chomping at the bit for basketball. Me and, you know, I would get in there and we, me and you would go through workouts together. So that was something that was I kind of had a passion for already. And just getting that, kind of getting that fueled is something that, you know, even to this day I'm now – now helping run, you know, run workouts with another former manager in in the Lincoln area. And, uh, yeah, so that was something that I was really appreciative of. No, that's of. good stuff. Like you said, I mean, I just remember you would work me out during my during my high school career. I remember it was just awesome for me because, obviously, you guys had that real nice gym in your house. And then I'd, I'd come right. over. I mean, you'd, do a, you'd tell me you, you did a morning workout with, like, Tron Petaway, Siobhan Shields, 
Glenn Watson, and then you're putting me through the same stuff that night. I mean, that was right. just – I mean, and it wasn't just some lame drills you were putting me through just to put me through, you know. I mean, it was – you had explanations to everything, why we were doing things, and that was something that was really cool to me. And you obviously right. knew, had a great knowledge and understanding of why we were doing things, and that's something I really obviously appreciated. And you definitely helped me grow as a player for sure. Um, so, obviously, like you said, I mean – with all the coaches you've dealt with, I mean, you'd list off a bunch of really, really high profile guys there that are really making their way up the the coaching ranks. Would you say you had any special in particular relationships you made with anybody in particular? Like, is there one coach or a few coaches that just stand out that really, that you tried to grasp onto? Maybe not technically like the head coach or anything, but any assistant coaches or any any coaches like that? You know, they're, a bunch of names come to mind just in terms of, of little, you know, just little things. Uh, I got really close with um, a lot of the administrative guys. So like the guy that hired me, Gregory Eaton was our video coordinator and director of basketball operations for a while. And um, we definitely had our moments where we went at each other, each other's throats and we're trying to kill each other just because, you know, we both very passionate people. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you can kind of, it's always kind of all love with coach Eaton and he wants nothing but the best for his managers, um, helping guys to see that after they, you know, after they're done with school and all that stuff. And then, you know, um, after coach Eaton moved to the director of basketball operations role, we hired, um, Matthew Holt from Northeastern as our uh, video coordinator. And that's just, Matt's just somebody that kind of taught, taught me how to do things the right way. You know, he's one of those guys that you go in there and he's gonna, he's always busting your chops and give you a hard time. But you knew at like the most basic human levels that he cared about you as a person, as a manager and as a student. And I uh, just kind of learned, you know, learning from those guys how, you know, how you treat people and how you run, you know, eventually one day if you get your own program, how to run a program. And then I just was I was blessed to work with a ton of great people. Doc Sadler is a great person. Jim Molinari, Kenya Hunter. Armand Gates, they're just, you know, the list goes on and on of people that, that are really just quality people to be around. No, that, that's really special. That's good. I mean, like I said before, that's a, that's a good list of guys. You just ramble off there. That's, and that's just for to right. be able to be under their, their lineage and tutorage there. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Now to kind of wrap things up here, I want to obviously, or I guess not obviously, a lot of people don't know you guys partake in manager games i mean like against other schools i know i mean yeah. i know you guys always the game the game against creighton is obviously a big deal and then you guys are always playing yeah. big 10 schools so for our listeners out there that don't know what's going on what are those manager games like and how did that kind of how does that get like formed and put together yeah so that was something that really kind of blew up like i feel like it just it had just gotten started right before you know a couple of years before i got there and then it really kind of blew up throughout my five years doing it. Um, but yeah, you know, I would say 90% of basketball managers that I encountered were former players, guys that played in high school, loved the game and just, you know, weren't really good enough to take that next step or didn't want to go play. You know, some people love basketball when they don't have the passion to go play NAIA, you know, like you, like, you, you know, you know, you know, the way it goes. NAIA is just as big as a commitment as a D1 program. You know, you're in there every single day. And if you don't have that passion to go in there and play for a program, then, uh, you know, there a lot of guys end up doing the managing stuff like me. So, yeah, um, usually the, the day before, whether we're traveling out there or, or the other teams coming here, we get in touch through Twitter or, you know, we have each other's numbers just for various stuff during the season. 
and we just ask if, you know, you want to play. And then, you know, if it's a home game, usually usually it's later at night, usually 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. where, we, you know, we play because it has to be after room checks. We got to make sure we get all of our stuff done. Um, and then, uh, you know, for home games, we'll go – we'll send a couple of the new guys with their cars to go pick them up from the hotel and bring them to the practice facility. And then it's two 20-minute halves, running clock, um, shot clock usually. And then with two, if, if it's like, you know, you kind of play it by ear, but if it's a close game with two minutes left, then you kind of play it straight up with the uh, clock, you know, clock stopping on out of bounds and stuff like that. But it definitely gets um, interesting and competitive, you know. And then on the roads, like we would only take three to four managers with us. So on the roads, you could have people that are on the staff play or GAs play. So, like, I got to watch Ali Farokmanesh, who played for Northern Iowa and hit a, you know, hit a dagger of a shot against KU. I mean, you're a KU fan <laughs> over there, aren't you? Aren't you, Brad? Right. you know. Yeah. So, I get – he's the best pure shooter I've ever seen in person. That includes <laughs> you, too. I, and uh, he uh, – I got to watch him score, like, 45 against Creighton. Yeah, there just were some good memories doing that. No, that's man. awesome. So I gotta ask, who was the best manager team you ever faced? Best manager team. Okay, so we we played Illinois my my second to last year, and they I think they they beat us. Oh, they beat us by like forty five or fifty points. We weren't very good that year at all, but they put on the best three-point shooting percentage performance I'd ever seen. <laughs> like, they just didn't miss. It was, it was, it was incredible. And um, it was one of those things where afterwards we're like, holy crap, they just did that. <laughs> um, yeah, I know my last year, like, when we played Northwestern, like, we, we played against Bryant McIntosh, who, uh, who played at Northwestern for a couple of years. Um, who... Do you remember, you know, those Maryland teams when Steve Blake was there? Yep. Who was the other like, primetime player with Steve Blake? What was, what was that oh, guy's man. name? I, I couldn't tell you that. If you don't, if you don't remember, yeah, I know he played manager games. Greg Oden played manager games sometimes. You know, he, he was at uh, Ohio, Ohio State and he was getting his um, back working on his degree and he was working for the program. He was playing in manager games. You know, former number one overall pick. <laughs> so you were seeing some, you were seeing some dudes out in these games. <laughs> yeah, so I never had, I never got to play against Greg Oden, but there were definitely some dudes That's out awesome. there. And you know the, you know the way it is. If you play any college basketball, you know you oh, can absolutely. play. Absolutely, absolutely. There, you know, there are dudes at the NAIA level, and so you know there were definitely there's. Definitely some good and bad basketball. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. That's good insight. That's good insight. So to wrap things up here quick, I always like to do some quick hitters with all my guests. So what I'm doing, I'm just going to give you some questions. And first thing that comes to your mind, let me ha- let me hear it, okay? All right. So first one, yep. best player you ever watched live during your time with the Huskers? That can be for the Huskers or somebody you guys played against. Okay, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh Jarrett, yeah, Jarrett Culver last year for uh, Texas Tech. Best arena outside of PBA? The Breslin Center, Michigan State. Greatest player of all time? Uh, in terms of what? Like, like greatest player of all time? N- NBA. Professionally? Yeah, professionally. 
uh, I have all the respect in the world for LeBron, but I got to <laughs> say, Mike. What was the best thing about being a student manager? Yeah, it was definitely just all the ex- the experiences and people. What was the just getting to do all that? What stuff. was the worst thing about being a student manager? Um, having to order food on the road. Best thing about Lincoln. That was best weird. thing about Lincoln, Nebraska. Game day atmosphere, whether it's football or basketball. Best thing about Seward, Nebraska. Oh, it's the home of the Bears. <laughs> And then last one, if you could meet any celebrity, who would it be and why? Any celebrity. Dang. Um, I, would, I would love to get to sit down with just with like anyone like LeBron or Kevin Durant or just a top-level NBA guy and just kind of talk their story. And especially someone like LeBron who's done such a great job outside of basketball, like reaching out and doing work in the community and doing personal entrepreneurship. I just would be awesome to get that insight. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, man, once again, I just want to say thank you so much. It was awesome just to connect with you and visit with you a little bit. Um, just thanks for, th- thanks yeah, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. There's uh world's kind of on pause right now. So I've got all the time for you. Good stuff. Good stuff. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Yep. Of course. I hope all of our listeners out there who just finished up episode 8 of the Marriage Podcast really enjoyed my conversation with Noah. He offered some great insight on some of the behind-the-scenes action that goes into the Nebraska basketball program. I will be back with episode number 9 of the Marriage Podcast next week, and I'm excited to bring on another great guest. Until then, take care, basketball fans.